state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back, hand off. Yan again off the right side. He's got a hole, 15. Yan to the 10, to the 5. Steps inside. Touchdown. Chuck Yan from 21 yards out. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are back for another night of Sports Nightly. It's our last night of the week tomorrow night. We'll be getting ready for Husker Baseball as they are set to open a series tomorrow Against the Northwestern Wildcats, I can confirm, Ben, the Cats are in town. We're going to have baseball this weekend, as long as Mother Nature doesn't just ruin it, which I think will be fine. We'll get games in over the weekend, but that's got to be a bit of a sigh of relief, right? Because I know you and Nick talked about it last week when you were in Piscataway. There was some doubt whether this would happen with Northwestern missing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, they hadn't played in, in two weeks, so there's always a concern, right? The lingering effects of, of that and... You know, I think both teams just want an opportunity to play. I know we certainly do here in Lincoln, but, um, you know, also them for having missed the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's a good thing. And we don't know, you know, the status of their roster, how many players that they're coming or is it their full team or not. And, you know, we're just looking forward to the opportunity to, to get rolling out there again for another game tomorrow. April 26th, the last time Northwestern played, so tomorrow will be the 14th of May. So, yeah, it's it's been a while since the Cats have been on the diamond. We did learn today Nebraska is going back to that same rotation that they were using for the three-game sets in that order. Kate Povich will pitch tomorrow, Chance Roach on Saturday, and Shea Shanneman back on that Sunday roll. They did tweak that, Ben, in Piscataway with the different schedule playing Saturday instead of Friday, and then the doubleheader Sunday, and then the single game on Monday. Surprised at all that Will Bolt, Jeff Christie going back to the, the same three? No. I think last last week was a little unique in a couple areas. Number one, the Saturday, Sunday, Monday series um, was definitely different and you know not something that was typical, but also um, atypical to play two different opponents. And so, therefore, you know playing the, the doubleheader – you had, you know, essentially separated by a few hours. You know, it wasn't like one pitcher got more rest than the other. It was essentially the same. And so, therefore, you know, the coach's planning of, of who they wanted to attack, what lineup, they, they had a little more uh, flexibility on that. And they ended up, you know, choosing Shea to throw against IU and, and Chance to throw the second round against Rutgers. So, no, not surprising to me that they're going back to the way that they had it. So that's why it'll be 6.30 tomorrow night, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and a noon first pitch on Sunday. And I was told today there are still tickets available for all three games. If you're thinking about coming out and watching some Husker baseball this weekend, you can certainly do that. Now, while Northwestern is here, the Husker softball team will wrap up their regular season this weekend at Northwestern. So the, the baseball and softball teams are just switch sites the oscar softball team will not be playing past this weekend they the losing three out of four last week really put an end to any hopes that they had of maybe getting an at-large bid to the ncaa tournament so their season will come to an end but not not a bad year for ronda Ravel's team they 
probably finished a little bit higher than a lot of people have thought. Hopefully they can finish off with a couple of wins in Evanston this weekend. Also, Husker track and field will be busy starting tomorrow. The Big Ten Outdoor is taking place in Illinois in Champaign, Illinois hosting the the meet this year. And so good luck to Gary Pepin's men's and women's squads as they get after it starting tomorrow uh, in Champaign. Hopefully we'll we'll keep track of that during the baseball broadcast to see how they're doing in the team standings as they make their way in there. We don't talk a lot about uh, the, the virus here other than, you know, how it affects sports and sporting events like Northwestern's baseball team getting shut down for a couple of weeks. But, but a really big announcement today, Ben, by the CDC saying that fully vaccinated people can stop wearing masks in most indoor places and certainly outdoors. Uh, they can take those masks. But this is a this is a huge bit of news for for all of us. Right. I mean, th- th- I mean, for the CDC to come out and say that means that they are comfortable with where we are in this country is in controlling the virus getting people vaccinated, treatments of the virus, the the caseloads that they're seeing around the country must be to a place where they feel confident in saying that. And and, and to me, this is just, this is giant news that came out today, particularly for those of us that are involved in the sports world and want to see stadiums fill back up. Uh, obviously, for, for those of us who love college football, this is a pretty good sign that we could be really back to normal uh, in the fall or in September when the Huskers have their first home game on September the 4th. But this was big news today, and it, this is welcome news for all of us who want to try to get back to more of a normal la- life. And the CDC certainly isn't going to say this unless they have some confidence that we've turned a big corner in this deal. Yeah, I mean, I think you couple that news today with the announcement of having, you know, Garth Brooks come in to perform at, at Memorial Stadium. You know, these are all positive signs that lead us to believe that football season in the fall will be what we remember it. Um, you know, I think uh, there's obviously still going to be some some things with, you know, local uh, health officials and obviously the university, uh, you know, with what they want to do with vaccinated people, non-vaccinated people. How do you tell what, you know, decisions to, to still have to be made. But, you know, this is a good sign, a good step forward. And, you know, we've been waiting for news like this for a while to so finally see it come down, and hopefully this has an impact on, on sports for the positive. You know, so, so many times with this virus, the news with the, the, uh, the updates had been, had been from the negative. Hopefully this starts to trend that arrow in the other way, and we have been trending that way for some time, but, you know, this was a, another good step in the right direction today. Abs- yeah, absolutely. I want to expound on something that Angelique Shingalis from the Detroit News said last night. She was part of our Blitz. She covers the Michigan Wolverines. And she made the comment that she's heard from a lot of Michigan fans that they were not going to renew their season tickets, primarily because they've lost faith in Jim Harbaugh running that program. And then that program that has just not gone anywhere under his guidance, he will be back as their head coach. But also partly because they're not comfortable returning to the stadium because of of the virus and what we've all been through in the last 12 months and i certainly understand that i i I gotta think there's a little concern here locally if nebraska can maintain the sellout streak and i you know i just i don't know i mean i i don't know what to make of the thirty-six thousand that made it to the spring game when there was they were going to allow up to forty-two thousand, so they left some tickets on the table folks did I think that was 
primarily because people are still nervous, and I get that about venturing out into big crowds because of the virus. And and but you know maybe you hope by September fourth that anybody, most people will be vaccinated at that point in time. But I, maybe I'm out there. I, I'm a, I'm nervous, Ben. I'm a little nervous that the cell lottery could be in jeopardy. And not because of the lack of faith in the Huskers, but just because people are still leery about going out and being a, a, around big crowds. And I, and I, I do. I totally get that. Yeah, I get it too. And it's hard to blame people, right? I mean, everybody's been affected by this virus in different ways, and um, you know, I'm sure most of us listening, uh, probably all of us, know people that have tested positive from it and probably mm-hmm. had some reaction to it. Um, and some, some, no doubt, more harsh than others. So it's, you know, it's definitely a concern. And I, you know, I'm with you. I, I was a little surprised to to hear the spring game numbers. Um, you know, but at the same time, it makes complete sense. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there is probably some reason to be, you know, a little nervous about that streak. And you know, if if it were to be that the streak ends to. <laughs> To have it taken a worldwide pandemic to do so, it's it's still nothing to to scoff at. But you know, Husker fans are going to do everything they can to to get people in the stands and and get that thing continued. Yeah, it, it would be a shame that this glorious streak might come to an end. But I think you know it's easily explainable. I think you sit there and go, "We had a worldwide pandemic." I mean, that's those come around about once a century, and and that's what it took. But you know, the athletic department's not saying that right now. I, I'm just, as I look at it and kind of read the tea leaves, I could see that being an issue. Uh, I think we're going to have great crowds. I mean, I, I think we're going to put 80,000 in there, but you may not have that extra eight, 9,000 to get you to the top to keep it a sellout. We'll, we'll, we'll monitor this as we make our way through the summer. But uh, that thought has certainly crossed my mind, and, and I know others and people have brought that up to me wondering, how nervous are people? I think you have to be if you're if you covet that streak, and we all do. We take a lot of pride in that as Husker fans in that streak that it's been sold out every game since 1962, and that that's going to probably be an issue here uh, this fall for Husker football. Josh mentioned this in a ticker, Ben. Another one of those weight room phenoms. Uh, the stats were put out today: the ten yard split, and Phelan Sanford tops the list here. And Matt made the comment during the spring game broadcast about how Phelan had tested so well. My goodness, did he ever? Oh, this is pretty impressive for this walk-on. Mentioned him yesterday from Benkelman, Nebraska, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. a powerhouse of uh, college talent. <laughs> uh, Dundee County Stratton High School uh, transferred over from Hastings. No, it's pretty amazing. I mentioned him yesterday when we talked about it. His name's been on all three lists now. And it's it's hard to ignore, you know, and I I made this comment before these tests were revealed that there are going to be names that are brought up with these results that maybe you didn't know or that surprises you and that, that they're going to be talked about for a while. And right now, Phelan Sanford is one of those guys that um, is definitely proving to be one of the better athletes on this team. And uh, it's going to be whether he's, you know, starting or n- never plays another snap that's a name that people are going to be following along and, and will always remember because of this last few weeks. The top 10, this was the 10-yard split. Phelan was tops on the team, 1.51 seconds. Number two was Noah Pulligates. Cam Taylor-Britt was three. Deontay Williams, who led the category that they put out yesterday, was fourth. Logan Smothers on this list. Luke Reimer 
on this list. Marvin Scott, who's not a little guy on this list. Uh, Grant Taggy, young man from Omaha West Side, another walk-on who made some plays in the spring game as well. Oliver Martin, and here's JoJo Dolman again showing up on this list. So there's your 10 today, the top 10 on the team in the 10-yard split. I, I just, th- this, this week's been fascinating to me, Ben. I, I just have loved seeing these things pop up one per day, and I had a feeling that's what they were going to do when they released these as they were going to make this kind of stretch out over a week or two. I, I think it's fascinating. It's guys like you and I talking about this, but also a chance to brag about a guy like Phelan Sanford, who's now popped up on this thing twice, a walk-on from a small town in the state of Nebraska who played a bunch of football in that spring game because there were so few corners on that white squad that he had to play a, practically every snap of that game on the defense for the white, but really encouraged and, and happy for him. Uh, that he's on this list. All right, here's what we have on the program tonight. Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World-Herald, is going to join us here in a little bit. One of the recent columns that he penned was about where should Nebraska put their student section? Where Should they keep them where they are, kind of in that corner in the southeast part of the stadium? Should they move them more behind the benches of an opposing team? What should they do? I think he even put out a Twitter poll about that. We'll get Tom's take about that and his thoughts about how the Huskers looked in the spring and did they answer some questions, at least in his eyes, during the spring. We'll have that coming up here in a few minutes. Hour number two, we're going to go beyond the headlines. We'll hear what Josh and Austin have been able to put together for us. Hour three, we'll have our face-off round two. My matchup with Austin, he destroyed me last week, demolished me last week. So we'll see if he uh, can wrap it up and take the trophy back uh, we'll get into that in the third hour. Andy Weingarten will join us to uh, break down the Preakness, the second leg of horse racing's Triple Crown, and we'll also have our Flicks Picks of the Week. And if you want to be a part of the program, the numbers are 531-500-4686. You want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Oscars, U.S. Cellular Connecting Oscar Nation. We're back with Tom Chattel next. Cornerstone Bank is committed to providing you game-changing solutions for your financial needs. Bank on a solid foundation. Cornerstone Bank member, FDIC, equal housing lender. Greg Sharp back with you on a Thursday night. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. We're to welcome on board the program, the league columnist of the Omaha World Herald, Tom Chattel. Good evening. Tom, how are you tonight? Okay, what's going on? Well, I, I we wanted to get your on, get you on and get your thoughts about the Huskers wrapping up spring ball a couple of weeks ago. Did they answer some questions in your eyes, or are there still a lot of a lot of unanswered questions about this team as they enter summer? Oh, I think there's always questions until we see them play. Um, you know, we didn't. You know, that was a, a very controlled uh, spring game, obviously. First half, they didn't even tackle. So, uh, you know, it's. I think there's if there's an area that I I was looking at and maybe felt a little, little bit better about was the running backs. I think they've got some guys. I mean, last year we didn't know if they had anybody. I mean, besides uh, Mills, and because they couldn't get anybody healthier, get anybody on the field. You wondered if, if they had anybody at all, um, and so. I think there's two or three or four options there that are. I don't think anybody is is going to be a, a dominant uh, back, 
and I think that I think they have enough for uh, a, a nice little committee and um, with some good role players, um, including Yant. Everybody, everybody loved Yant, and uh, I think they they need that 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 short yardage, uh, a big body guy. So we'll see. I I I was intrigued by that. Obviously, the receivers are on everybody's mind. Um, Adrian played well. He he missed a few throws that he probably should make still, but I think you know, he looks better. Um, so we will see. Uh, but I think there's some options there at, at running back. They should be able to have a running game, I think. Tom, physically, do they look like they can compete in this league now? I think there was a time where you just – you felt like they just weren't physical enough to to hang with Wisconsin and Iowa and some of those beefier teams in the league. Do they have they closed the gap in your eyes in that oh, phase yeah. of things? I thought they had the last two years. They made progress every year, but um, you know the last two years, Iowa has. In fact, I I, I, I would say the last three years, but the, definitely the last two seasons. Uh, Nebraska has has matched Iowa and Wisconsin's uh, physicality. Um, the Wisconsin game a couple of years ago, uh, Wisconsin won that game. They they didn't push Nebraska around. They had they had the best player on the field, Jonathan Taylor, uh, who was who who was as special, and they they returned a kick for a, a, a touchdown. Iowa game two years ago. I, I specifically remember sitting there with, with Sam watching Iowa try to run the ball on Nebraska. They and they they had they had, they had to load up two tight ends on one side uh, in order to get, to get, 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 get any kind of running game going. So um, I, I feel like Nebraska has 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 handled that part of it. Um, what they haven't handled, we've talked about. Ad nauseum or the, the mistakes and the the penalties and things to get in the way. But in terms of physicality, I feel like Nebraska has has gotten there. Now we didn't see him play Wisconsin last year, but I, I, after what I've seen, especially in the spring game, I feel like that part of it has been solved. Tom Chattel is with us. He's the lead columnist at the Omaha World Herald. You can also read his work online at omaha.com. You penned a column earlier this week talking about athletic departments and questions that they face and students trying to keep them engaged in games because those students are eventually going to be your donors. And you, you talked about maybe you need to move that student section a little bit, take us into that piece and your thoughts and what kind of reaction did you get? Uh, the reaction was fantastic. Um, a lot, I got a lot of emails and, and, and responses uh, from people, a lot of good ideas. Um, a lot of old alums saying this is how it used to be, and we need to do this. And and um, yeah, I'm going to write about it for for, for this Sunday. I'm 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 going to print a lot of the responses I got for this Sunday, and then I will uh, reveal my choice for where the student section should go in my in my first downs column next Monday or Tuesday. So um, <clears throat> yes, it's going to be taken care of, um, and, and yes, you're going to make somebody mad, but. And that's never easy. Anybody that's ever had to um, any AD in the last forty years that, that, that has, has had to put put in donor 
policy or, or deal with the stadium, shuffle it around has made somebody mad. So you're going to make somebody mad, but you, the students are that important. The future has got to be the priority here. Um, and where some people will say, well, if the students aren't going to go to the games, why give them good seats? Well, that that may be true, but I think if they if they had better seats, if they felt like the, like they were a, a bigger priority, um, I think that uh, they would come. And, and you know, you're gonna you, you, you're gonna make it more affordable for them. But you've got to do what you can to get them to the games. Or in twenty to thirty years, there may not be anybody at the games. <laughs> so and you, and you will you know people. Are, are going to donate? You've got you still have that part. You know the people in their forties and their fifties and sixties are, are are doing the lion's share of that now. But who's going to be doing it in in, in the next twenty years? And you, you can't wait until then to, to figure it out. You got to you, you got to get after it now. So my thought, and I put this in, and I'll I'll probably um, elaborate more, but. I think you've got to, and, and, and we can only do so much with these old stadiums. It's like Rosenblatt. That's why they had to build a new stadium um, to make it more fan, to make it more fan friendly. You couldn't. There's only so much you could do with an old stadium. So, but I really believe <clears throat> that the, that you've got to make the, the Nebraska football game a social event for the students. Um, you've got to give them a good section to be at, where, where they can be a factor in the game. I mean, why wouldn't you want the students to be a factor in the game? Of course you would. We've seen it in other stadiums. Um, and I, I think you give them their 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 own area behind those seats, a concourse, a social uh, gathering place, where it's you know you go to see, you go to be seen to to see and be seen, uh, hang out, get on your phones. It's just that's the world we live in. I know there's people out there who go, well, you're, you're there to watch the game. Well, not anymore you're not, and, and that's just the reality of it. So I think you make it more of a social event. Will that mean beer down the road? I, I think it will. And I don't know what, when or what year or who the AD will be. Um, I think the AD who uh, replaces Bill Moose one day, I think that's going to be on his plate, and, and that'll be a very important decision to make. But – you know, I just think make it more of a social event. We've seen this at the Creighton basketball games. People go just to see and be seen and stand in that end zone. You see it at uh, Pinnacle Bank as well. They have a nice mm-hmm. end zone area. That's what, that's what you do now. And so, you know, it's the stadium, Memorial Stadiums, it's, it's, you know, obviously landlocked. You can't only, you only do so much with it. You can't blow it up. But, They've got to find a way to, to do something about that. <clears throat> well, it's a great. It was a great column, and I can't wait for your your second one on Sunday and see what what kind of response you got from the readers. So that'll be something to look forward to for me. Again, I'll read that on Omaha dot com. Last yeah. time I saw you was Haymarket Park. Th- these next three weeks could be fun, right? This 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 yeah, Big Ten race it. is coming down the stretch. Well, of course, we're going to miss the Big Ten tournament, and imagine what that'll be like. Uh, you know, with Will Bold, it's just beginning here. You know, Nebraska's in the race every year and at the top. Um, imagine what those crowds will be like for the Big Ten tournament. It'll, it'll be fantastic. So we'll certainly miss that this year. But, 
yeah, I mean, all, all you could hope for is a chance, and they were, they got a chance. Um, I got to go play the Hoosiers again next week. Uh, I, I guess you'll be on the road again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got the uh, Buckeyes as well. Um, and then they come home and play Michigan. And that's um, that's sort of our bait. That's during the, the, the conference tournament weekend um, when a lot of other uh, leagues will be playing the, the, their conference tournaments. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, right now we're, we're waiting on the uh, NCAA host sites uh, to be announced. Um, and. I just, you know, it's just too bad they didn't get to play non-conference games because Indiana, Nebraska, and Michigan all have the kind of teams who could host. Um, but I don't, I don't think they're going to get a chance to because their RPIs. And I know we, we can't, you can't really take the RPI too seriously this year because everything is so uneven. But I really believe the the, the baseball committee is going to look at those non-conference games. And, and and that's going to be a, a big tiebreaker. And if you look at the top 20 in the RPI, you know, I, I counted them up. About 16 of the top 20 played at least 20 non-conference games. So it's um, it's setting up for the, 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 the best of the Big Ten are going to have to go south probably uh, for the NCAA tournament. So uh, but I guess we'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. It's a big, big month for Will Bolt. He's got a lot of young guys uh, learning how to win, learning how to play under uh, the pressure games, and they're all coming up, and it's it's going to be fun to watch. Tom, Tom, two years into his tenure, your thoughts about the job he's done, and doesn't he almost have to be the coach of the year in the league? I mean, this team wasn't even picked in the top six. Yeah, and I don't think anybody knew anything about anybody going because they didn't really have a season last year. Um, but absolutely. Um, you know, I like about Nebraska. They've they just quietly gone about their job, and they've been so consistent. They had, the, obviously, the the lost weekend with Rutgers at home um, when they, they couldn't seem to you know hold a lead or get, get, get the outs, but they bounced right back. They, they've just been so good at, and, and making plays, um, stepping up, you know, getting tough outs, um, making tough hits, good at bats. Um, you just kind of like they're just they're just so well coached, and uh, obviously have a lot of talent. Um, you know, they caught a break or two along the way. Uh, you know, Max Anderson comes back. I mean, it's, it's what a great thing that was for him to mm-hmm. come back and uh, play here. Um, it's just, it's a fun deal. It's, um, you know, it's kind of the way people, we got spoiled under Van Horn and that's how they played. Uh, they didn't make a lot of mistakes and they made a lot of plays. They didn't do a lot of talking. They just showed up every, every, uh, every game and got the job done. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but I mean, he, he's doing a, a great job recruiting. It's, it's only going to get better. Fun stuff. It should be fun. Couple get still six home games at Haymarket Park for folks to come out. Three this weekend and three on Memorial Weekend with Michigan. Tom, always great to catch up. Can't wait for that Sunday column. Uh, appreciate you coming on, and we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. For the first time this week, we go beyond the headlines. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. 
Hatch to Oyeri. Beyond the headlines. All right, we're actually going to start. We have some good topics. We have seven topics for you guys, but before we dive into those, I kind of want to get to something else first. You guys did a Beyond the Headlines oh a week and a half ago, and um, one of the topics I heard about was racing an animal and what animal would you want to race? Because we had a somebody who texted in and asked if Greg had raced a cow yet, and I asked Austin. I hadn't. I hadn't heard about this, so he filled me in that this was a topic a couple weeks ago. So I. Have you, Greg? Have we set up? Have we? Oh yeah, I smoked it. You did. All right, but as yards, yeah. All right, yeah. perfect. It, All right. It's, as it turns out, he raced it in a field by himself with nobody <laughs> else there, no video documentation. So we only I mean, have his word for we it. We have his word, but that's that's all we need. I'll I'll take it. What? By the way, what did Ben? What did you say? I didn't. Austin couldn't remember what you said. You would be able to beat. Man, I don't even. I don't even know if I remember. Yeah. If I recall, you kind of. Hemmed and hawed, and you know something that you wouldn't have to expect. Typical. To, you said not a sloth because that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean a sloth is just like or a turtle. Just pop that thing down, right? Yeah, I'll take a turtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> turtle. Go. Turtle is, is something that I think I can handle. Perfect. Or a frog or something like that. Love it. All right. Well, actually, our first topic is one that you guys kind of touched on in hour one earlier today. Corbin Burns of Lane Grindle's Milwaukee Brewers set a major league record by recording his. 50-second strikeout without walking a batter to start the season, and he later extended that record to 58 before walking his first hitter in the fifth inning against the Cardinals. A lot of different questions we could go with here, but we'll start with this. Is there is it time for Major League Baseball uh, to consider moving the mound back or lowering it again to make pitching a little bit more difficult, or are you guys okay with the way pitchers seem to be dominating uh, the last few seasons? I, I just feel like... I would have to know what type of impact it has. Like, if it's going to lead to even more home runs, because home runs are way up, too. In a day and age where we're all talking about yeah. launch, launch angle and exit velo, I mean, it's all about, you know, hitting the ball over the fence. And so I don't want to give the offenses too much of an advantage. If it leads to more balls in play, more contact-type plays, um, I, I would I would listen to it. But, I I mean, I just feel like – and I feel like you and I are typically on the same wavelength with this type of stuff, Josh, where I'm a little bit more hesitant to it just because, you know, the pitchers, the, this this pitcher, the, the pitcher in baseball these days has evolved so much. We're even seeing it in the college game. I mean, everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour in the major leagues. Yep. Everybody has a good breaking ball in the major leagues. You know, back in the day, there wasn't very many guys that threw that hard. And, you know, part of that result of that is, Ball's flying farther out of ballparks. So I would just need to know, you know, try it in another league or something so we can see what, what, what is the, you know, result of that from an offense. And I think they're doing that. I think they're going to put it in a Class A league mm-hmm. where they are going to experiment with it. I, I lean, I, I'm kind of in that same boat. I lean to more, I think it's the offensive approach now where, Everybody is swinging. Everybody's on launch angles. Everybody's on that. And st- I think it's yeah. the approach is different. Instead of just taking the ball the other way, being okay with a single or a ground ball through the inside. Right now, everybody's like, if ground ball's a failed at bat, you got to get in the air. I mean, that's one way to do damage. So I think the mindset and the approach of offense is more of a concern to me than if the pitchers are too dominant. Yeah, it, it's definitely a combination because there's you, you have the batters who are boomer bust. It's either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. Like those are the three results that are going to happen when a guy steps up to the plate. But it, it, there there is the point of the pitchers though because they 
like Ben said, even 15 years ago, there weren't as many guys who were throwing mid-90s as there are now, True. and definitely not 50 years ago. 50 years ago, there were just a handful of guys who had touched 95, and the rest were throwing upper 80s. Like, that's, you know, it, it's just changed so much, and I think that maybe doing something with the mount would help with that, but you, I don't, it's not going to change batters approaches. They're still going to be swinging for the fences. So maybe there'll be more balls put in play, but like Ben said, it's kind of a, you know, what are you going to get from this? Is it really going to accomplish anything? Or are you just going to see way more home runs? And I'm more of a, like, I, I hesitate to change much about the game because it's, you know, the, the game is so much about, you know, numbers and statistics. And if you're changing the dimensions of things, that haven't really been changed very much over the last hundred plus years, then you're, you know, you're, you're changing, you're kind of messing with that formula. So one other thing I'll, I'll say about it, part of the reason why the hitters approaches have changed is because it's harder and harder to string two and three and four hits together sure. in an inning. You know, a lot of times it's a, it's a bloop and a blast and it's worth two. And you know, when you've got pitchers that are striking 13 guys out a night, it's much easier to put one swing on it than three or four in a row. Yep. There you go. All right, from baseball to football, we had the NFL draft a couple weeks ago now, but a week ago Tuesday as we were doing Beyond the Headlines, the Canadian Football League was holding its draft, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats had the first overall pick. They chose a tight end named Jake <laughs> Burt. Not drafting a quarterback first overall is a tradition in Canada as a quarterback has never been chosen first overall in really? the modern CFL era dating back huh. to 1985. The last time a cube went number one was 1970. Compare that to the NFL, where quarterbacks have been taken first overall in 16 of the 22 drafts since 2000. So when's the next time you guys think a non-quarterback will be drafted first, and what position will it be? Oh, geez. And this relates to the NFL, too? NFL, yes. Well, I think there's a lot of years that it's not a quarterback one. It just, you know, if your best player is... Uh, a rush end or an outside backer, that's that could be a one. I don't, I don't think it's a slam. Well, how how long ago did the Chiefs take Eric Fisher? You're you're now your new Indianapolis. Miles Cole. Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett's been a one. Uh, Jadavian Clowney the year after Fisher. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it'll be a defender. I think it's pro- if it's not a quarterback, I think it's probably going to be a defensive guy. Yeah, pass rusher, pass yep. rusher. I think it's it's probably, or, 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 or an O-lineman, o- a slam dunk O-lineman. But that, it's got to be a really weak draft class for that to happen. So it's got to be an Eric Fisher type. Yes. Right. <laughs> it, that just blew my mind, though, just the difference in the drafting styles. I mean, yeah, it's two different kinds of football, but you'd think quarterback would be just as important in Canada as it is in America. But I guess their positional value charts are different up north of the border. I guess. Something like that. All right, I we couldn't help but put this topic in here because Ben's favorite person in the world, PGA golfer Bryson DeChambeau, had yes. an interesting couple of days this past weekend Let's while, hear it. while competing in the Wells Fargo Championship. After the second round last Friday, he was two over for the tournament. Looked like he was going to miss the cut, so he took his private jet, headed back home to Dallas. But he did not miss the cut, so he scrambled, had to fly back to Charlotte, which is where the Stud. Wells Fargo Championship was. At 2.45 in the morning on Saturday, he arrived just in time to make his tee time for the third round. He climbed the leaderboard over the next couple days, finished tied for ninth at four under par. So we probably asked some similar, something similar to this, but what are some fun travel stories you guys have had over the years where you just barely got where you needed to be in time or barely made a plane or a flight or something like that? Hmm. The worst one I had was going to 
cover the Big Ten basketball tournament in Indianapolis, and I had, like, the first flight out of the morning, and we played pretty early. So, like, it was a fight to just get there in time as it was. And for some reason, um, they would not, like – it, like, gave me one of those options to, like, change your flight or whatever, like, at the kiosk. And I obviously said, no, I don't want to do that. Well, apparently in the time that I had to answer that question, my seat was open. (laughs) And so somebody at the counter took my seat or they gave it to somebody in standby or something. And so I basically lost my seat, but it still gave me a boarding pass. And so I went to check in at the counter and drop my bag off or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, no, there's a problem. And there's no more seats. I'm like, what do you mean there's no more seats? I have like there's a seat number on my ticket. And I could hear them. calling my name on the intercom from upstairs final boarding call mr mclaughlin if you're here please board i'm like they're calling my name like clearly i have a seat on the plane and so i basically had to ask everyone in line and security if i could cut them (laughs) yes i was that guy and literally was walking onto the plane as they were closing the door and so it was and this is at like 5 a.m this is probably four o'clock in the morning and just you're just not what you want to be dealing with and I was not overly pleased with that scenario. Man, you sound just like Bryce and DeChambeau. You guys are like the same person. I know, right? (laughs) Same golf swing. Uh, (laughs) I'm surprised Ben didn't give you this story because you all remember when the Big Ten baseball tournament was in Bloomington, Indiana, a few years back. Yeah. So Nick went with us because we rotated and we knew we had to do some sports nightlies on the side. And so we, we took all three to the Big Ten tournament. Huskers get eliminated. We have a fairly, eh, fairly early, mid-morning flight, I think, to come back is what we booked. It's about an hour drive from Bloomington to the Indianapolis airport. We're, we're cutting it a little close. We're probably right at about an hour from takeoff when we pull into the terminal, and the rental car place is right there. It's hooked to the terminal. You just have to cross a bridge, and you're right from the rental car place. Well, we get we turn the car in. We uh, were walking in the terminal, and I think it was Ben forgot something in the rental car. So he goes back. So by the time we get to the counter to check in and check our bags in, and there's, like, nobody at the counter. I mean, there's, like, three people waiting to help us, and they're, like, chuckling. They're going, oh, you, you missed the 50-minute cutoff. We can't check your bags now. By like, three <laughs> minutes. We're like, well, you, there's nobody here. Can you not help us here? And we're like, no, no, you're just going to. And so – we, we have, like, one bag that we have to check. The rest of us, I think, we can carry on our bags. And Ben was drew the short straw, so he had to get on a different flight. Nick and I went ahead and got on our scheduled flight. So Ben ended up having to go, I think, to Houston, change planes oh, in Houston and come back. And yeah, from you got Indy to Houston about, to Omaha. That was yeah, you got, <laughs> you got back, like, four hours, I think, after Nick and I did. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the counter people were really, really helpful. <laughs> and really nice about it. wow goodness gracious crazy well ice cream always cheers people up so hopefully you had some there if not we're going to talk about ice cream here last week a four-year-old boy in brooklyn accidentally purchased 51 cases of spongebob popsicles 918 (laughs) of them in total off of amazon ended up costing two thousand six hundred eighteen dollars and 85 cents his mom was obviously worried about paying for it but there's a gofundme campaign that ended up covering that amount, almost doubling it. So if you guys were to buy $2,600 of your favorite ice cream treat with someone else's money, <laughs> what, would you, what would you get? Ooh, good one. And maybe we should start mm. GoFundMe tonight and have a yeah, big ice cream party. <laughs> see if we can get, get the, involved. 
I would probably go Dilly Bars. I, I like Dilly Bars. They, you know, something on the stick like that. It's pretty consistent. I think that's probably where I would go. I would go like Ben and Jerry's, but I'd, I'd change the flavors up. Yeah. So like my uh-huh. wife loves the fish food. I, I anything with cookie dough in it, you yeah, know, makes me happy. Um, you know, the brownie bites in the in the ice cream, great, fantastic, all for that. So I would just do what twenty eight hundred dollars worth of of <laughs> Ben and Jerry's little pint sized, little smaller than probably those little yeah. tubs, those little mini Perfect. tubs of yeah. And I would just get a whole bunch of different flavors, and sure, it'd be great. It's kind of ironic. My wife and I, Victoria and I, were talking about this last night. Not this exact topic, but we were saying if there, what kind of ice cream we would have if we could have it every single night. Like, what would we eat? And I said that I would probably go with a root beer float because that's something Ooh. that I'll, 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 you know, have a root beer float, and I probably wouldn't get sick of it for you know a long time. I, for whatever reason, it's something that I don't. I love all kinds of ice cream, but. That's probably what I would go with. Root beer floats underrated. You don't think about it very often, no, and then when you, you do, don't. you're like, "Oh, that's yeah." Well, you let's have to have the, the right. Con- you have to have both yeah. ingredients on hand, and that doesn't yeah. happen very often unless you're intentional about doing it. So, that's probably what I would go oh, with. Oh, it's my scream. Yeah, I've <laughs> yeah, worked, yeah. Oh, sorry about float. that. <laughs> all right. Well, can we put play like an old interview? We can all run and get some ice cream. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, run See down. See, we get fired up. <laughs> My wife loves ice cream, so maybe I'll just be like, you know what? You d- you just had such a long day at work. I thought I'd be a nice yeah. husband to go get you some ice cream. Perfect. I'm, Austin and I are probably going to get some on the way home now. That's, yes. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, next one. Uh, everybody remembers, I'm sure, the iconic video of Seattle Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals last mm-hmm. season on an interception. Well, on Sunday, Metcalf got a chance to put that speed on display again at the Olympic Trials in California. He ended up running a 10.37 in the 100 meters, which fell short of the 10.2 that he needed to qualify. So still pretty impressive on that stage. So if you guys could pick one athlete in the big four American sports, or even really you could exclude hockey if you want, to participate in the Olympics, and we'll maybe just keep it at track and field, which... Uh, who, what athlete would that be, and what event would it be in? Can we talk about for a second that DK Metcalf is six wow. foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds? He, he was, so and he ran big. a ten three seven yeah. and cut too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy I mean, that's is... stupid. That is absolutely stupid. Six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and he any no human that size should run that fast. No nope. period. <laughs> yeah. Nope. One hundred percent. Well, the first name that popped in my head was Tyreek Hill. I'd like to yeah. see Tyreek Hill sprint. Um, that that's kind of the first thing that popped into my and, mind, and maybe uh, you know something other than even a hundred, because I'm sure that he could run you know for a four hundred even if yep. he got in the right shape. I would want to see like Araldus Chapman play dodgeball. That, like that's <laughs> something that I really want to nice. see. No, put him in handball. You're a handball guy, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but you got to like pass the ball to teammates. You're not going to be winging that little rubber ball 100 mile an hour at your teammates. Well, no, like, he can just be the finisher. You know, yeah. set him up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's good. But yeah, give me give me like a dodgeball match with like Araldus Chapman and just firing darts at people and just <laughs> yeah, just you know, you, you might be able to dodge a wrench, but you're not do- dodging a left hander <laughs> 100 miles an hour. I can tell you that much. So g- give me give me Araldus Chapman in a Team USA dodgeball jersey and let's let's go to war. Right. How about how about Patrick Mahomes throwing like the javelin? Oh yeah, wouldn't you nice. think he'd be pretty no, good? I wouldn't at that. want him getting hurt. Let somebody else do that. Well, you take the hurt quality yeah. out of it. It's just, yeah, this is, yeah, I think, uh, I, I like that, though. That's good. Yeah. 
See, now, Ben, I'm just picturing like a, a five-man phalanx in front of Chapman or Mahomes playing dodgeball. Just five people on defense just letting him wing everything. <laughs> we, uh, we, I, we've done that top ten list multiple times. I think we've done like a top ten soccer team like full of athletes. Yeah. We know we've done like a, like a dodgeball team before. That, that would just be, that'd be awesome. It would be yeah. awesome to watch. Love it. Sign me up. All right, uh, you guys mentioned the NCAA Golf Regional in Baton Rouge last segment, but this is beyond the headlines, not just the headlines. So a little different take. With that regional, the top six teams and the top three individuals outside of those teams were automatically advanced to the next round despite not having to compete. So if you guys could go back in Husker baseball history and advance one Husker team to a super regional automatically, which team are you choosing and why? Mm. Man. I'll go first, let you buy some time. I've got a couple in mind. The the team two years ago would have been fun to see if they could have made it to the Supers. The 08 team, the last team to host, I think that team with Johnny Dorn as their lead pitcher would have would have been a team I think could have made a run to Omaha. But I'm going to go the 2014 team because I think that team had the best starting pitching. You had Ryan Bolt as a freshman. You had some really good batters in that lineup, including Michael Pritchard. Uh, that that might have been the yeah. most complete Husker team that I've seen around. So I'll go 2014 Huskers. Yeah, that's the obvious choice, I think. I think you said the other ones. 08 would have been good. The two years ago would have been solid, too. But that 14 team by far was the most complete. And then you talk about their bullpen. It was Zach Hirsch and Josh Rader and Jeff mm-hmm. Chestnut. And, you know, that, that was a really, really good bullpen. You, you talked about some of the offense with Pat Kelly and, and Darby and Pritch and Bolt and uh, Tanner Lubach. I mean, that was a really, really good team. Blake Headley was on that team, and the starting pitching depth there was really good too. So, yeah, the, I think I think that fourteen team is slam dunk the answer. Nice. It's kind of a fun fun thing to talk about, especially as we're getting close to the postseason here. Uh, our last topic will wrap things up with a story from Florida, our favorite kind. A woman in Florida, kind of almost pulled off an interesting stunt earlier this week. Her name is Audrey Francisquini, and she's a 28-year-old woman from Miami who had hopes of promoting her Instagram page. So, naturally, she made her way to an area high school. She spent a day trying to blend in with the students, handing out pamphlets that info about her Instagram. She did blend in successfully for a while by wearing a backpack, and then she also had a skateboard that she was carrying with her through the halls, and she only was ended up being caught because she was out in the hallways wandering around, and the security noticed her, and everybody else was in class. So they caught up with her. She actually ran away from them and got away, but the authorities, of course, used her Instagram to track her down and arrest her (laughs) at her home. So what is the oldest age you guys could have been or still possibly could be to blend into a high school without being noticed? Hmm. Ooh. Man. I mean, it would not be 28, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. I lost too much hair at that point. See, I, we, um, Austin and I were talking. I think he still could pull it off, especially oh, if he yeah. shaved. If I got a shave. Austin, yeah, Austin could. you could do that. The issue is that, that my sure. high school had a graduating class of 46, so people are going to just They would just know who you were. But know who I am. I think mine had 500. Just come to my high school. <laughs> I was going to say. I say, sneak me into a class A school, and I'm, I'm sitting in history class, no problem. Yep. What was the movie? What, uh, what classes would you want to take in high school, Austin? What did I take or what would I want to? What would you want to? If you went to school tomorrow in high school, what, what oh, classroom would you wander in on? <laughs> well, I mean. Besides his, gym. You can't pick gym. Well, then I'm picking lunch, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, history was always always kind of fun. Um, 
So pro probably a history class. Um, trying to think. Spanish, I enjoyed Spanish. So pro probably history or Spanish would be the two I would try to wander into. So this is a 22 Jump Street type thing, right? And yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Back what in, it is. Go back yeah. into high school. Yeah, maybe that was her inspiration. I, yeah, <laughs> she didn't um, say. Twenty-eight Jump Street now, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben and I with our hair problems. Would, right. Would what not, what age did that start hitting? Like I'd say me, about was, 24, 23, 24 is when. I was a little older than that when it hit me. So I, you know. Um, boy, I had a buddy in college. He was like Austin, a little bit more of a baby face. He he could have done it up almost till he was 30 years old. He could have gone back and slipped into an algebra class and been fine in the back of the room. Yeah. <laughs> I actually hadn't done this until now. I just pulled up a picture of this lady, and she actually does look pretty young. Does she? she? Does, yeah, she looks like she'd be in her early 20s, which yeah. at that point then you maybe could still blend in. But And, and uh, girls, I mean, I, I think they could – they can, with their hair, and they can do some different things to sure, make, make them look, them look younger. younger. Yep, yeah, true. Yeah, I was telling Austin, though, as guys, though, there are always those guys that look like they're 25 when they're in yep. high school, though. So, oh, that's right. I mean, mustaches, full mustaches. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. So, yeah. might not have a hard time. Good stuff. Thanks. Ben, you got, you, are you stalling? Or are we good? What? I don't want to stop you from coming up with anything. Stalling? You're good, right? I'm good, yeah. We're rapping. <laughs> All right. We're wrapping. All right. We're back. Hour number three here on a Thursday night. Final hour of the week for us. Husker baseball bumps us off tomorrow night as they entertain the Northwestern Wildcats at Haymarket Park. Six o'clock for pregame coverage here on the network. Busy hour. Our face-off coming up. We'll talk to Andy Weingarten and preview the Preakness, and we'll have our Flicks Pick segment at the end of the hour. Let's get her going with the face-off. It's time for face-off. Let's go! Mano a mano. You me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Ben McLaughlin. Round two. Ding! Woo! Greg and Austin. Ding, there you go. Does that work? <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Let's get it on! Here we go. Um, Greg, uh, I think your face is still being uh, picked up off the floor from what Austin Smashed. did you last week. How are you uh, feeling this week? Just smashed. <laughs> Austin had some impressive pulls oh, last he, week. I could he not he believe earned it. it. He yeah. did earn it. He was locked <laughs> in. Locked in. You, you Austin, better hope you, he's off his game tonight. Otherwise, are you, it, are you feeling as confident as you did last week, or where are you at? You know, I, I'm trying not to feel too good or too bad you know it's another week i got my my eyes on the prize again i'm sitting in front of the trophy i hope i can claim it after this week but i might just start you know sending greg subconscious messages of dilly bars if things get too tired <laughs> can't be too high or too low gotta say somewhere in the middle right that is the this is the objective okay all right boys here we go question number one we're going college football here to start name the top five college football stadiums in terms of capacity great uh, Great. I heard Greg first. Yep. Tennessee. Rocky Top. Number right. five on the list. I am going 102,455. I am going to play. Greg's playing. Let's go to Big House, Michigan. Michigan. Hail to the victor, says Greg Sharp. <laughs> Number one answer, 107,601. 
fans fill that place, although not even close to the noisiest stadium I've been in. That is the yeah. most seats in a college football stadium. Not full all the time. No. From there, I'm going Happy Valley, Penn State. How about Beaver Stadium? Yep. For some reason, this was listed as second, but by my math, it is actually fourth. 102,572 in Happy Valley. Much louder than Michigan. All right. Give me the horseshoe, Ohio State. Ohio Stadium. Third on the list, 102,780 for the shoe. Going for a quick sweep here to start out. All right, got a couple in mind here. How about Texas A&M? Kyle, Kyle Field. Field. Wow. Very nice. Greg off the pavement. Dilly bars. <laughs> what, what, Austin, what was your guess? Uh, I had two others written down. I had uh, Bryant-Denny in Tuscaloosa and also the Rose Bowl. What, what was going to be your guess? I was probably going to go with Alabama. Right mm. off the top? Or yeah, just as a steal? Probably as, as oh, it was Oh, when I going. buzzed, I was going to say the big house. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. And I knew that question was catered more to Greg, but with stadiums opening up, it was a must-ask. So congratulations. Sure. Greg's up 1-0. On the board. On the board. All right, 1-0, Greg, as we move to question number two, as, and we move to a Husker-related topic. Who are the four Husker volleyball players who have been named Gatorade National Player of the Year in high school? Greg. Greg in first. Allie Batenhorst. Show me Allie Batenhorst. Of course, she hasn't played for the Huskers yet, but still counts. Yesterday, she would receive that honor. Are you going to pass or play? I'm going to play. Okay. Let's go Lexi's son. Show me Lexi's son. Yeah, of course, she went to Texas first out of high school, but is now at Nebraska. That was 2017 when she was named the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Michaela Fecky? Give me Michaela Fecky. Yeah. 2015. You need one more. This one's tough. Lauren Stiverance. Show me Lauren Stiverance. First strike of the night. That, yeah. that buzzer does still work. <laughs> How about Brianna Holman? Show me Bree Holman. Mm. LSU transfer was not. Hmm. All right, Got be careful. You're down one. to your last yeah. strike, yeah. You, but you have three of the four. Austin's going to need uh, Katie Rolfson? Show me Katie Rolfson. No, and that's probably your best guess of those three would, would have been her. She was probably the highest rated, but also not Gatorade Player of the Year. So, Austin, over to you for a steal attempt. I'm glad you said Katie Rolfson, Greg, because that was one of my guesses. So, Ooh. Glad thank to you help. for crossing that one off the list Team for Team player. Me. I, we appreciate that. Um, it won't be a yay team unless I get this one right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There are a lot of players to choose from over the years. I honestly don't know. I should have done my research and looked to see when the Gatorade National Player of the Year started being handed out for high school volleyball. But right. I bet it's been a while. I bet it, it's I'm been sure. That, I feel like that, like in football, it, I feel like that went back into at least the 80s. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I don't know when they started it for volleyball. Um, I'll say Jordan Larson. Give me Jordan Larson for the steal. You're 
kind of in the right area. I had to go back a little bit further than the ones that Greg named, Sarah but Pavin. it was actually Gina Mancuso. Hmm. Wow. I would, got that. No, and that's what I didn't expect you guys to get that one, but good job, Greg, getting the other two. All right, right Austin. Need it. Big you one. Need this one. You're, you're not didn't. run over on the pavement, but you're getting in position here. We need to, we need to turn I'm this thing around. I'm stepping out onto the crosswalk right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question number three. We're going back to college football. Tim Tebow in the news this week, joining the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> reuniting with head coach Urban Meyer. He won the Heisman Trophy in 2007. Name three of the other nine finalists that year for the award. <laughs> uh, what was the year 2007? 2007. Austin. Oh, Austin, Austin in first. In. How about Jamarcus Russell? How about Jamarcus Russell? You're a little bit off on your years, but that's not a bad guess. Not bad, not bad. God. Greg, over to you. <laughs> uh, Jamal Charles? Show me Jamal Charles. Another good guess. Not quite in the top ten, though. Let's see. Uh, 2007. How about... Um, oh, good old what's-his-bucket. These are some how about, name How drops. about uh, Pat Smith from West Virginia? <sighs> Geno Smith? <laughs> Smith, West size. Virginia. Okay, Geno Smith. Smith. Geno Smith. Give it to him. Oh, nope. Sorry. Too, too late. <laughs> um, he was after 2007. Greg McElroy? <laughs> <laughs> Show me Greg McElroy. Wasn't he like Bama's also also too late? I think he was uh, two thousand eight or nine when he was a quarterback mm. at Bama. Uh, uh, who who buzzed in first? Austin. I Austin. did. So I'm one more s- round of strikes, and then I'm I'll give say some clues. Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton. Best guess so far. Yes, <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> All right, Greg. Oh, I have another. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> That's like a dark hole period of college football, actually. <laughs> it is. Well, kinda. it was for it, Nebraska. It is. Yeah, um, exactly. That's Alex Smith. He was going to be Alex then. Smith. Too early for 07. Okay, here's your, here's your first clue. First clue. Uh, let's see. How can we <laughs> encompass a lot of these guys here? Uh, I, I do have a few more guesses written down. Oh. But I will wait. For Five you. of them are quarterbacks. And a, yeah, I have a clue, but I really don't want to say it. It's Five are quarterbacks, and they were multi multi purpose quarterbacks. Yeah, a lot of the Wildcat guys, right? That was that era. Uh, I'll also, say that Austin was dancing around one of them earlier. Yes. But. What about? Well, with two of his guesses. Well, Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin, another great guess. <laughs> you needed to factor in part of my clue for that well, one. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of the dude's name. Greg? I'll let Greg guess, and then I'll give another clue. Robert Griffin? Robert Griffin. You're on the right lines. Nebraska played against one of these guys, and he had a really good game. <laughs> 
He may or may not have fit the same clue that I gave earlier. I'm going to guess that he did fit the same clue that you gave earlier. Um, 2007, Wildcat quarterbacks. Uh, Josh Freeman. <laughs> Josh Freeman. Right conference, wrong guess. This guy was a much better college player than Josh. I was going to say, if we get to a, through a couple more rounds, we might just have to go to a winner-take-all, whoever gets first the first one. First one to get one. it right. Get one right. All right, I, I think I'm off a couple years of this guy, but I'll throw Vince Young out there. Vince Young. Yep, two years too late. He was the 05 game with USC. All right, first one uh, to get one, we'll get the category. How about... Tim Tebow's running mate, Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. Oh. One of the other guys on this list was in the news yeah, this week. That's what I was going to say. And it's why I asked the part of the the other reason why I asked the question. One, once I saw this, one I more clue here. Who? How many of these guys are in the NFL, Ben? Still, I know that at least. Um, one of them, maybe two. I think just one of them. Yeah, the other maybe guys. two, yeah. maybe two. But there is still a guy in the NFL that helps narrows it down a little bit. <laughs> I know at least four of these guys were first round draft picks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try an offensive lineman, Orlando Pace. Orlando Pace, <laughs> too old. Um. All right, so let's recap the clues. Five quarterbacks. Some of them are dual threat. One, one of them Nebraska played against in this year. He had a good game. And one of the guys also in the news this week. 2007. Hey, I, I didn't think the question was this hard, but maybe it, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> uh, I, this goes with none of... The hints, but I'm thinking of teams that had pretty good years in 2007. How about Ray Rice from the Rutgers running back? Ray Rice. Let's let's stick on the quarterback train here because <laughs> I think these are going to be the easiest ones to well, get. One guy had a uh, – I, was this a his record-breaking season, Ben? I can't remember. Yes, I think it was. The, the guy that we're talking about that was – In the news. One of the non-quarterbacks Bo Pelini coached before he came to Nebraska. Hmm. That's a good clue. Also the... Glenn Dorsey. Glenn Dorsey. <laughs> yes! We got one. All right. List off the wow. other one. Okay. Um, the guy, unfortunately, <laughs> that was in the news, sadly, was Colt Brennan, passed away from Hawaii oh, uh, okay. yesterday. He was on that great Hawaii team. Chase Daniel was the one from Missouri. Hmm. Austin, you named the entire backfield of West Virginia except Pat White, the Pat starting White, quarterback. Pat White, that's his name, Pat White. <laughs> um, yeah, the Austin. other quarterbacks were Dennis Dixon and Matty Ice, Matt Ryan from Matt Boston Ryan. College. Oh. You had Darren McFadden from Arkansas. You had uh, Chris Long from Virginia, first-round draft pick, and the the one that I wasn't expecting anybody to get was Kevin Smith from UCF. All the uh, others are sad. guys that you have heard of at least, but, again, that I thought, Chase, I thought Chase Daniel and Colt Brennan would probably be 
guessed at some point. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a rough one, but Greg, you came <laughs> away with the uh, point, and you're up three love as we move to question number four. Last night, the New York Knicks clinched a playoff spot in the NBA for the first time since 2013. A little bit different question, though. Name the seven NBA teams that have gone at least 10 seasons without a playoff series win. Austin. Austin in first. The Sacramento Kings. Show me the Sacramento Kings. Austin's on the board. Not yet. Working my way down the board. <laughs> no, I meant you got an answer correct. Well, I did, but I'm not counting it yet. Still got a ways to go. Are you playing, though? Oh, I'm playing. I am playing the heck out of this one. All right. Go the for it. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Show me the T-Wolves. The fighting Alex Rodriguez's are on the board. <laughs> the, both the Kings and T-Wolves have gone 17 seasons without a playoff series Jeez, win. that's yes. brutal. We're looking for <sighs> five, five more that have gone at least 10 seasons. Yes. All right. So, again, they may have made the playoffs, but they have not won a right. series. Series. How about yeah. the Charlotte Hornets? Show me the Hornets. They are also in a three-way tie for the longest at 17 seasons. So now you have the three longest. You're looking for a little bit less than that now. How dare you pick on Kemba Walker's Hornets? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> How about the... Nolan's Pelican. No, wait, uh, yeah, I guessed him. Yeah, too All right, late. Pelicans. Not around long enough. Stupid. It's all right. <laughs> Easy. It's okay. Jeez. He's rough on uh, himself. Harsh critic. I got him, I got him flustered. <laughs> yeah, Greg's got him rattled. <laughs> got me right where you want Pat, me, Greg. I need a Not coming bar. up with Pat White. I need a Not coming bar. up with Pat White has yeah. uh, sent him off the edge. All right. <laughs> so you've gotten the Hornets, Kings, and T-Wolves, and you've guessed incorrectly the Pelicans. One strike, three right, four left to get. I think it's been 10 years for the Detroit Pistons. Show me the Pistons. Yep. Okay, four down, three to go. One strike. Right. Um, how about the Washington Wizards? Show me the Wizards. They are... Less than 10 seasons. Oh, yeah, because uh, Paul Pierce called game. He didn't call bank. He called game. Yep. Okay. Still three left, but now two strikes. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> yeah. Greg, you're ready to pounce in the wings here. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Thinking, thinking, thinking. Teams, teams, teams. How about I say the Phoenix Suns? Give me the Suns. Dang it. Booyah. Dang it. Is that first one time you had? they made the playoffs in yes. 10 years. Yep. Okay. That was my first <laughs> thing I wrote down. How about the okay ten years? We've got two left. Yeah. And two strikes. The Orlando Magic. Show me the magic. Uh oh. Here he comes. About one that? left. One left. Dang it, the Suns. That was the one I was hoping. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Now Greg's rattled. They're both <laughs> rattled. Now I'm rattled. <laughs> this game tends to do that to the contestants. All right, one left. Who are you going with? I'm going with... I'm going with... I'm going with... The... Uh, well, you already... Okay, well, you said since the Knicks last made the playoffs, so they don't count, correct? They could count. It's the because it's a different category than oh, okay. they clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2013. Oh, gotcha. Name the teams that have gone at least 10 seasons without a playoff series win. Um, sure, why not the Knickerbockers? Show me the Knicks. Nope. All right, Greg, what do you got? Well, I've really wanted to say the Flint Tropics this whole time. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. There. Let's um, get tropical. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think this is right, but it's kind of obvious. I, I'm going to go the Bulls. Show me the Chicago Bulls. No, this they one's actually. The second round under, was about Fred's time. Thibodeau. It? Yeah. Thibodeau make it. It was actually the Dallas yeah. Mavericks. The last time they uh, won a playoff series is when they really? won the whole thing in 2011. Huh. They won wow. the whole thing against the Heat. Okay. That was that? that was the one I did not expect you guys to get, but well done getting the other six, Austin. So now question number God, five. Son, I had the Suns. That's one I knew was yeah. right. Yeah. Dang it. All right. Question five is not as hard as question three. That I can promise you. <laughs> we'll see about that. Name six of the eight teams that last participated in the College World Series. That participated Greg. in the last College World Series. The most Greg. recent one. Greg in first. Michigan. Show me Michigan. Yep. They did indeed. Greg's playing. Vanderbilt. Show me Vandy. National champs beat Michigan in the third game. Give me double T, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. A little quick on that one. That's right. Yep. All right, that ends my confidence part of it. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's all right. Those are the three or four that I really remember playing up there two years ago. Um, Mississippi State. Show me the Bulldogs. Yep. They did was make that it. the year that they had the bananas that they kept showing, or was <laughs> that before that? I think it was before that, but. Yeah. I think that was the year that uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but let's go Arkansas. How about the Hogs? Oh yeah. How many do I have? Five. You've got five. You need one more. And no strikes yet. Impressive. Trying to think who all Michigan beat to get there. That was mm -hmm. some of the teams that I'm trying to clip off. There. Three um, teams left you can choose from for your final answer.
Uh, give me Louisville. How about the cards for the win. <laughs> Boom. They made it to the semifinal and uh, lost to Vanderbilt wow. to get to the championship series. Boom. Now I have it's level. I have no idea what to expect next Shambles. week. Woo. Last week it was all Austin. This week all Greg. Who knows what's going to happen next week? Wow! Wow! Can't wow. wait. All right. Well, the good news, Josh, is we can leave questions week. six and seven. We can. Yeah, they're both still relevant. Okay. Good stuff. All right. We'll come back talk some Preakness. Andy Weingarten will join us next. We're back. Sports Nightly Thursday night. Coming up on Saturday, it's the second leg of horse racing's Triple Crown, the Preakness. And here to break it down for us, Andy Weingarten in Louisville. Man, Andy, the horse racing world has been turned on its head with the uh, the news of Medina Spirit, the Derby winner, testing positive to a drug test. How crazy has it been around Churchill Downs in Louisville here in the last five, six days? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been something else. It just seems like the Derby can't get a break. You know, last year with no fans due to COVID, running it in September. The year before, the the winner was uh, uh, taken off the board for impeding traffic, and now really the worst of all is is a, a drug test failure uh, several days after the race, and you know it's. It's not good for the sport, and I really don't like the way, frankly, the way Bob Baffert has handled it. I mean, some of the excuses that were given before he finally admitted it, I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, they're not credible. Uh, you know, something obviously happened. My guess is that somebody on the staff gave the horse that, that drug inside the 14-day period. They found out about it. Chose not to, not to say anything because, you know, he had been saying all along he didn't really think he had that good of a chance to win. And I think, you know, had the horse not won, maybe none of this would have come out. Then he turns out winning the race, and it all comes out. It's, it, it, it's not a good situation. Andy, does it affect that horse at all? Is it allowed to run this week at the Preakness? There, so far, the decision has been made from uh, the Maryland Jockeys Club that he can run, but it is it will be pending any new information that uh, that comes out in the next couple of days. If, for example, uh, the second test that he was given, if the Kentucky Racing Association rules um, that in fact he is disqualified. I would suspect that Maryland at the last minute will say, no, we can't run. Mm. The other thing I understand they're doing is that both of um, that. Well, actually, he has three horses running uh, on Preakness Day, two of them in the Preakness, one of them the day before in the Black Eyed Susans. And those horses are going to be tested daily for whatever it is they're going to test for. And if they find anything out of the ordinary, they'll pull him out of the race for that reason. So, wow. uh, you know, he's definitely under the microscope. I can't believe he would do anything at this point. So hopefully he'll be able to run. The only thing I think that would stop it is if Kentucky, the Kentucky racing folks do rule that he has been officially disqualified. Yeah, Con Concert Tour is another one of his horses that's in the Preakness. Andy, for our audience's benefit, what, what are the differences between the Derby and the Preakness? Well, the, the Preakness is a little bit of a shorter race. It's a mile and three sixteenths instead of a mile and a quarter, so it's a sixteenth of a mile uh, shorter. Nice. Uh, the turns are a lot sharper. It's still a two, it's still a two turn race, but the turns are sharper, and the um, stretch run at the Preakness 
is a couple of hundred yards shorter, I believe, than Churchill Downs. Churchill Downs stretch run is one of the longest in the industry. So uh, you've got several things that are different. Typically, speed holds up better at the Preakness than it does at the Derby, although in recent years it has been speed horses uh, you know, that have won it. Medina Spirit was a perfect example. Got the good ride, got out in front, uh, was challenged by three horses down the stretch, and none of them could catch him. I mean, it was it was really a great race. This is one of the, one of the best races, you know, on track that we've had in a number of years because you had four horses within a couple of lengths, and and none of them could catch him. It was a great race, and no, no doubt about that. Okay, before we get into your picks, what about the weather? What kind of conditions are they looking at for Saturday? Should be a great day. Uh, they're looking. Uh, it's a little cool. It's been cool on the East Coast. All week, they'll probably be in the 60s for the race uh, on Saturday, but should be a fast track, no excuses. And, uh, you know, won't have near as many horses. You've only got 10 of them right now uh, that are going to run. So hopefully everybody gets a clean trip. They really did in the Derby for 20 horses or for 19 horses. That was really a clean trip for everybody. So should be no excuses for anybody in this one. Should be a good race. Okay, this is going to be tough to handicap because of all the question marks in this thing, but let's give it a go. Let's go with your show horse. What are you thinking? Okay, I like a horse that is fresh. He's only raced three times so far, and all three of them have been solid. They've not been against the the uh, Tier 1 horses, but he's run really well, and very few people are talking about him. Crowded Trade is the four horse at 10 to 1. Uh, I think uh, he'll be probably mid-pack most of the way around, a little bit of a closer at the end, and uh, I think he will be good enough to at least get up into the third-place position. Okay. Crowded trade. Andy's show pick. How about your place? Another one that probably nobody is talking about. I think he is one. There's actually several pure closers in this race, but uh, this is one of them that was running really well, and it was a strong Kentucky Derby candidate until the last race in the Wood Memorial. So if you take that one out, uh, I think he deserves some attention here. It's the nine-horse risk-taking at 15-1 to one in the morning line. So uh, I like two long shots in the, top t- in the uh, second and third position. Okay, that's a Chad Brown-trained horse coming out of the nine-shoot risk-taking at place. I bet you're going Medina Spirit to win this thing, aren't you? <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. I am going with Bob Baffert to get the win, but not with Medina Spirit. Ooh. I think he's going to get it with Concert Tour. I wow. think Concert Tour is a better horse. I think he has more speed than Medina Spirit. I think the two of them will probably be duking it out for most of the first half to two-thirds of the race. I think Medina Spirit will fade. I don't think Concert Tour will. I think he'll get a wire-to-wire win. I like Concert Tour to win it. Wow. Coming out of the outside, on the outside, too, coming out of the 10 shoot, that, that doesn't scare you mm-hmm. off at all? No, not at all because of the speed. I think he'll he'll be able to go right to the front. Mike Smith is a great jockey in these yeah. kind of races. Uh I, I you know, I really am I'm really playing as much the jockey here as I am anything else. I really mm-hmm. think right now Mike Smith may be the best of the bunch. And I think he'll get him get him out in front. Medina Spirit does not like to run off the lead. Uh when he wins, he usually wins wire to wire like he did in the Derby, and I just don't think that horse is going to let him do it. And uh, I like Concert Tour to win him. I thought maybe you'd look at the 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 Dwayne Lucas horse Ram in this thing. No, not a fan of Ram. Really didn't well, there's really not much 
uh, not a whole lot to know about him. I mean, he's never been in a stakes race. Uh, he won a claiming race uh, back in March, but just he's not run against these guys. I mean, he'd be he'd be a sentimental favorite certainly because yeah. you know you know D Wayne Lucas is eighty five years old, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, sentiment sentiment doesn't win a race. <laughs> I don't think Ram. Uh, I don't think he's up to it. I just I think this is uh, way out of his class. It wouldn't surprise me if he's way behind the pack. Gotcha. Andy, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. We'll talk in a couple of weeks for the Belmont. Okay, you bet. Thanks, Greg. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer he can with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what's on everybody's screens. Ben McLaughlin, lead us off. So we finished the uh, the haunting at the um, the hotel uh, show. As I said, not well done. I, it's it's fine. I mean, it, yeah. you could probably pass on it. Uh, however, we are getting ready to watch uh, whenever it is that we start a show again. A show that we started right when the pandemic started, and the, believe it or not, they're. They're coming. No, yes. not Space Force. <laughs> come on. They've come out with a, a second season of the show called The Circle. And so we're going to get into that whenever uh, whenever it is that we sit down and watch TV next. So I love the that. first season uh, and, and eager to excited to see what's on tap for season two. Cool. cool. I like it. All right, Josh. All right, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box with my pick this week. And, uh, you know, we haven't really had Franklin watch too much TV yet, but when we do... It's kind of hard to find a good show, one that isn't just really dumb. So <laughs> we uh, we have found one that both Victoria and I like watching with him, and it's called Trash Truck. It's on Netflix. Um, Max Keen is the guy who created it. His dad, Glenn, was a Disney animator. His grandpa, Bill, created the comic strip Family Circus. So you might yeah. know those things. And then also one of the voices on the show is Brian Baumgartner, who's Kevin from The Office. So nice. a few names you'd recognize, and it's short episodes, so easy to digest, and um, cool stories and at least somewhat easy to follow. So it's good. Good. Cool. Nice. Austin. I'm just going to be watching the face-off tape all week. You know, I watched <laughs> last week's last week. That didn't go so well. So got something new to at least listen to, if not watch. But, no, still enjoying <laughs> Criminal Minds and Bits and Pieces. Uh, people are messed up. I could never <laughs> write for these shows, imagine some of the stuff that they come up with that my percentage of guessing what these people did wrong or the who done it is going down a little bit but i'm still usually on the right track that's kind of my my challenge with that show right now very good speaking of who done it we uh fell into a movie from 2009 called state of play it is a political thriller a lot of twists and turns on some murders in washington dc involving politicians let's give it a listen free for friends of the press. I heard a young woman was murdered. Who told you that? You just did. Sonia Baker, a valued member of my staff, died this morning. Congressman Collins, he's an old friend of yours, is that right? Good reporters don't have friends, only sources. You okay? Collins was allegedly having an affair with a young woman. I want to know everything that we can about her. We've got eight hours. 
It's a great cast. Russell Crowe, Rachel McAdams, two reporters for a Washington newspaper are chasing down a story. Crowe happens to be a friend of the congressman Stephen Collins, played by Ben Affleck. So it's a pretty good little twist and turn. came out in 09. I didn't see it in theaters, but we enjoyed it. It is on Netflix where you can find that. So stay to play on my screen over the week. All right, Ben, that'll do it. I'm ready for some baseball this weekend. I know you are. Yeah, I haven't called baseball in like 72 hours, so yeah. bring it on. Let's 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 get another series going here. Absolutely. We'll get into that coming up. Hey, buckle up, put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Good show tonight. Thanks for everybody for being a part of this one. Husker baseball coming your way over the weekend. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame coverage, 634 first pitch, 2 o'clock on Saturday and noon on Sunday. That'll put a wrap on the night show. My thanks to Ben, to Josh and Austin, have yourself a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from Haymarket Park. Good night.